chapter 9. So this parak talks about the laws of milk and meat. Milk and meat, milk with meat, may not be cooked together. You may not, if it is cooked together, you may not eat it. Now, a sliced salami with sliced cheese is not also menatayda. That's not what I was talking about. They're talking about a case where you cook milk with meat together. That's also menatayda. Right, that's what it's called. You also may not benefit from it. So even though, if you remember, in the list of the mitzvahs, in the Gimachol Sasuris, the Ramam said to us, the mitzvah nine, uh, excuse me, 20 and 21 was not to eat milk with meat and not to cook milk with meat. He didn't say the love of Hana. Right. However, here he says it's Osir, and it seemingly is also Mahatayr as we sell, as we'll see, right. not a, but just not an independent love. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, sure, we'll talk, I'm, I'll try to explain a little bit you know, with the time we have. So, you may not, and you may not benefit from it. So, if you may not cook milk with, milk with meat, if you do, you can't eat it, and you can't even benefit from it by giving it to a gift, by feeding it to a dog, even a stray dog, seemingly, not just your own dog. The curve is you must bury it to prevent anybody else from benefiting from it. If you do burn it, the ashes are forbidden, as is the ashes of all, most things which must be buried. That's a question for itself, what's wrong with the ashes, but okay, that's another, another story. Um, okay. In Psulam Magdash in Perikites, the Ram will talk about it more. If somebody goes and he cooks milk and meat together, even if it's a half a kazayas of each, but it's a total kazayas together, like is Chayev Malkus, for the Isser of engaging in the behavior of cooking milk with meat. And remember, it says, You may not cook a young domesticated animal, we always touch Gedi as a goat, right? The Gedi really means any young domesticated animal, a baby goat, a baby cow, a baby sheep, in its mother's milk. And of course, you know, from Dershav Alper, that means any meat with any milk. If you eat a kazayas of milk that was cooked with meat, again, we're not talking about sliced cheese with salami. The milk and meat was cooked together, a total of a kazayas, even a half a kazayas of each. From milk and meat was cooked together, like you have Malkus, even you didn't cook it. Ruven cooks it. Shimon eats it. They're both Chayav Malkus. Better yet, a guy cooks it. There's no Isser involved. And Shimon eats it. He's Chayav Malkus. So one Isser for the cooking, one Lav for the cooking, excuse me, and one Lav for the eating. Halacha, base. So the, the term is being general. Yeah, they're, 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 right. yeah they're, they're also, it's a long period and it's interesting. It's halacha I mean, it's not halacha not halachish here, but let's see what we can cover. Okay, base. Even though the terror does not say anywhere that you can't eat. It's just as you can't cook. But the reason why it does not mention the prohibition of eating, it says don't cook it. Don't even go, go to that stage. Before you eat it, before you eat it together, you have to cook it together, right? In other words, before you eat milk and meat, which you cook it together, the first thing that has to happen is you cook it together. Then if you eat it, the chayav lab. So the Torah says, don't even cook it. Kalemer means to say, afilo bishli also, even cooking is also. Needless to say, that product that was cooked together is obviously also to eat together. Similarly, the says, one may not live, one may not marry the daughter's daughter. It doesn't say your own daughter, but that's self-understood. Right, so just like you can't marry your own daughter, you can't marry. You can't. Marry, it says clearly your daughter's daughter. That implies obviousness of your own daughter. So similarly, it says don't eat it. it doesn't say don't eat it. it. Says don't even cook it. For sure, don't eat it. Okay, Gimel. Now again, remember in the, in the mitzvah in the list of lav in the beginning, it doesn't say hana. It just says cooking, and it says eating. But the Raman just told us in halacha aleph that hana is also also and it's a also mitzvah as we'll see. Okay, benefit. It's only also if the meat's from a domesticated animal and the milk is also from a domesticated animal. Kosher animal. It says, yeah. Don't cook a kid in its mother's milk. includes any young, uh, young baby of a, uh, any of the domesticated species, cow, sheep, or goat. Unless it says Gedi'izim, that's after a young goat. It doesn't say that. It could be any, theoretically. Okay. So, there, so we see the meat, Gedi includes any domesticated animal, not just a goat. Even though it says it's mother's milk, it doesn't mean only the milk of a goat or, 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 or this, of this baby's mother. The most common scenario, if you, all you have is one cow, if you're going to be a of that one cow or one sheep or one goat gave birth to a baby, 
the milk comes from the mother. That's the most most uh, narrowest possibility of even a person only owns one animal of cooking meat in milk. If you own a hundred cows and you cook the meat of one and milk of the other, it's also usher. So the Torah says, don't cook a kid in its mother's milk to include the, the most unlikely scenario where it's going to happen, right? If you have a hundred cows and are giving milk, you have a hun- and so the possibility of cooking meat of one and milk of the other is much more likable, like, likely. But the most narrow scenario is even a person who has one gdi, one goat, excuse me. So how is it possible to cook Basim Chalav? Where is the meat going to come from? Where is the milk going to come from? That one goat gave birth to a baby. That one baby is now nourishing for the mother. Don't cook that gedi in that mother's milk. The Torah wants to talk about the most narrow possibility. That's why it uses that scenario. So, that's what I think it means in terms of the common scenario. Maybe I'm being a little bit dramatic over here, but what's the closest case? We have a gedi. Where's the milk coming from? It's mother, right? Okay, good. However, if you cook meat from a cow, let's say, in non-cushion milk, you cook cow meat in camel's milk, you cook camel's meat. Is a camel a behemoth or a chai? I think it's a behemoth. Okay, Shabish le bechala behemoth tahira in the milk of a cow milk, mot lavasha, you may cook it. You work in a restaurant where they serve cow meat cooked in, cook in cow's milk. Excuse me, camel's meat or pig's meat in cow's milk. That is, you could be a chef in that restaurant if you want. Well, you, not, not as a practice for panasa regularly, we said yesterday, but one, one time you're going to substitute for somebody, it's okay. Umut lahano, you also benefit from me. You want to, if you want to cook camel's meat in, in cow's milk or cow's meat in camel's milk and you give it to someone else as a gift. If you eat it, you're not of course you may be chayav for the issue of eating camel's milk. But not mitzad basa b'cholov. Dalit. Camel's meat. Camel's milk and camel's meat for sure is not a problem. The chiddush is even if one of them. Oh, no, no, no forget no, eating. Cooking. Right. So again, in order for it to be over b'cholov, it has to be the meat from a domesticated kosher animal. And the milk has to be from a domesticated kosher animal. So sheep's meat. In goat's milk, right. but otherwise it's not meatayro. Dalit the chayim b'sar chayav oif. It's the meat of a bird or a wild animal, like a deer, kosher deer, kosher chayav. Beim b'chalav chayav, beim b'chalav behema. Whether it's the, whether the milk is in a uh, milk of a from a cow, let's say, or from a deer, either way. But since the meat is not from a behema, it's from a chayav or an oif. Ein asa achila meatayro. The isra achila and bishul as well. The chayra is not meatayro. Right. Good. You're allowed to cook deer meat in cow's milk or vice versa. And you're also allowed to benefit from it, right? Chicken in, in, in cow's milk. Now, funny enough, the Ramam says elsewhere that if you cook um, uh, um, a meat from a deer, let's say, in milk from a cow, that is also meditative. Interesting. It explains, it, it, it explains over there why. In other words, in other, in other words, um, okay, one second. So here he said, I'm saying that the meat from a non-domesticated kosher animal like a deer or from a bird in milk of a domesticated animal like a behemoth or milk or, 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 or a cow, exactly, thank you, a cow, or for that matter, certainly for a deer, is not oser meatayr, in terms of, meatayr is not oser to cook or to eat. No, you can eat it, you can cook it, excuse me, and you can have, and have a no. And now, so, halachal amayis, so you can cook it together. And you halachal amayis, you can have another, Amam says. However, also, ba'achilam dimitsev, the chum said, you're not allowed to eat chicken with milk, or deer meat with milk. That's not allowed. Because people are going to end up, if they eat cow meat with milk, they'll eat, uh, excuse me, if they eat deer meat or chicken with milk, they'll eat, come to eat cow meat with milk. They're going to end up eating Meat from a cow with milk from a cow. Why would we make that mistake? Since the pasuk only implies a goat or a young kid of any species with its mother, and then you're going to start saying, "Well, that's the case. It has to be only the same cow, the same animal, but if it's the same species, whatever." You're going to start making extensions that are not correct. You're going to say that if I can eat deer meat with cow milk, I can eat cow meat with goat milk. And the only issue is mamash both gadim. You're going to make that mistake. And, and therefore, to make to, 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 the, the boundaries become incorrectly blurred, the Chum said no boundaries, no blurring. Every kind of meat 
basically whatever has to be shechted before you eat it, like goats, excuse me, like deers, chicken, all that is also with any kind, any type of milk. Okay, lefich also kolbas v'cholav. Therefore, any type of milk is forbidden. Okay, now the question is, what's the din about chicken with with deer milk? Is that also also b'derabonon? Okay, akash. Halacha hey, dogim v'chagovin. Yeah, sure. I think so. The baby's milk. Yes, yeah. Fish and grasshoppers, motar lochem bechalov. They may be eaten with milk. Person shechs an egg and he finds complete egg. He shechs a chicken and he finds complete eggs. What's the definition of complete? How, how they need to have a full shell ready to be laid in fifteen minutes if you hadn't shechted it, or maybe a little bit more premature. It's not so clear. But whatever the, whatever the definition of gemurus is. At that point, it's no longer part of the chicken. It's considered a pyre of egg, and therefore you may eat it with milk. We're talking Even, about mixing the eggs with it. Right. Even though those exact same eggs, at that same exact level of development, may be considered meat as part of the chicken. In other scenarios, so for example, if the chicken was a trefa, you might say that egg is also a trefa. But inside of the development, at that exact same stage of development, could be mutter in some time not, not being considered part of the chicken in terms of mixing it with milk. Good. In other words, the level of stages of completion of an egg, when we say it's no longer part of the chicken in one area of halacha, like if it's considered fleshik separif, and another area of halacha, like do we say it's part of the chicken if it's a trefa, um, or not exact same, not not the same level of development. Okay, good. Halacha vav. Hamavushon, if you smoke milk with together with meat together, you don't cook it, you smoke it, which is one of the ways of preparing food, right? You cook in the natural hot springs of Tiberias, right? Or today in America, you have over there in Yellowstone National Park, right? So it's not considered a fire, really. Kiyetze behen, ain't lake in love. You're not chayav malchus because it's not considered bishul matayda. The chayav avashel, but we could be at least, yeah, fine. The chayav avashel, boss of mechalov. If you cook milk meat with mechalov, mechalov is milk water. We call this whey. When you take the make the cheese, so the protein of the milk and the water part separate. The way, and that's considered mechalov. It's not considered chalov. Some say that that's actually not yet, not, not yet the case. You have to take that watery milk, yeah. boil it, skim the top, and that's called mechalov. But in any event, when it's considered the pariv, it's considered pariv. It's not, not considered milk anymore. And if you cook meat, um, meat in that way, W-H-E-Y, Yep, mesa, or for that matter, the animal is dead. You crawl open the udder of a dead cow, take out the milk. Or let's say, sorry, you shechted it. Let's say you shechted the cow. Now you cut the udder open and the milk is there. The milk of a male cow. Sometimes male cows apparently give milk sometimes. I mean, not usually. Again, I wouldn't recommend trying it, but <laughs> but but uh, it, it apparently exists. The Ramon Shulchan Aruch actually touches this Rambam or this statement of the Rambam as a human man sometimes giving milk. It's a phenomenon that exists in, in biology, whatever. The Rambam is talking about a cow. You cook blood in milk. Blood is also part of the animal. So these are all not considered real boss of bechalav. Therefore, potter you potter manatayda. Then you loikah chelosa. You're not chayav malchus for eating in these scenarios. Mishum boss of bechalav. These not for boss of you might be high of Malchus for cook, for eating blood, blood. although although Dam should be if you cook blood, it's not Mashma one hundred percent that it's high material. That I'm saying here you are, but okay, it's at least implying that you are. In any event, you're not. You don't definitely not high of Malchus for Bosvachol in all these scenarios. It's not real milk if the animal's dead, if it's whey, etc. However, a person who cooks meat from an animal, it's not, let's say, uh, well, all, obviously all meat you cook is an animal's dead, hopefully, right? But let's say, it's, let's say the point is that it's not the Geshachten, it's Nevelo. So it's, it has already has the issue of Nevelo. Or fat, right, which already has the issue of Chelev. You cook that in milk. For cooking Fascinatingly, if you eat that, Nevela well cooked in milk, or if you eat that chelav that was cooked in milk, you're not chayav malchus for of chalav. You only chayav malchus for nevela or for chalav. Why? She ain't is a bas of chalav chalal is a nevela or is a chalav. The additional is a bas of chalav that you, if we just cooked, the behavior is also you engage in also behavior of cooking milk with meat that you chayav malchus. But the piece that was cooked is already pre already pre forbidden pre usher mitzad nevela or mitzad chelif and therefore by cooking it with milk you are engaging in an isser of cooking milk with meat but the isser is not tacked on because nothing is added to which there's no issue that includes incorporates other things all you have is chelif or nevela there's no additional items that become um, included in this isser 
by umbrella. It's, no, it's not simultaneous, right? First it's chalav, then it becomes basa b'chalav, and you cook it, and there's always a meisif. Ah, you'll ask, should there be a meisif? Before it's more asa b'achila. The chalav was asa b'achila. You can have enough of it. The Torah says you can use the chalav to make soap. Now it becomes asa b'hana. Why is Ram saying that you don't add tag? Ta- ta- it's not an issue of The chayyur and I should be to his sort of. Okay. Carcass. The simple answer is that the Ram understands the issue of hana as an extension of achila. Right? You can't have any benefit for sure not eating and any other type of benefit. It's like, it's like one, one parsha. Again, the question is better than the answer. The answer is I don't know. Fine. Weiter. Zayin. Hamavashel. Shalom If you cook. Um, now himself actually appears much nice and Chris's Paragimel talks about this and that's what he tries to answer. Okay. A person who cooks a fetus in milk, right? You cook shut the cow, cut open the stomach, there's a fetus, cook the milk, that's considered meat. If you eat that fetus cooked in milk, right? So you mamish over the is of Gdiba you shek the goat, you find the fetus in the goat, cook the goat, its mother's milk, right? So good, that's your that's chayev, uh, chayev for and basically the point of this halach is that. Fetus is considered meat. meat. However, a person who cooks the placenta, skin, sinews, or bones, or the horns, the part of the horn that's, even the, even the part of the horn where it's, where it's still blood when you cut it, right? Because, you know, the animal, animal hurts. To find with the hose, which are soft, those parts, and milk. Now, for the tip of the horn for sure is not uh, considered a bus of That's not much like the nails. It's not uh, even, right. but even, the, even the part that's softer, that's, that gets a little bloody. Again, your part, that's not considered real meat. The If you eat that horn of a cow or horn, you, know, cook, you cook a shaver in milk, you eat it. Part of your part, because it's not considered, it's not considered, you know, you, you're not going to say meat in this regard. Again, it could be awesome that it could be awesome material to eat it. You definitely have Ches. But I'm not sure. You definitely have Malkus. Okay. Bosha Shinafal the Khaya Techacholov. Alright, we're going to Khazar all your smeat. Hello, Khaz. Bosha Shinafal Techacholov. If you have meat that fell into milk, a cholov shaf the chabos or a milk that fell into meat. This pasha meaning got cooked together. What do you do? Shirbin is in time, the amount, the requisite requirement amount to forbid the, the let's say, chicken soup into which milk falls, or a pot of milk into which, into which meat falls, is forbidden if it imparts taste. Taste. Kate for example, how would you determine this? Khatiha shall basar. You have a piece of meat, a meatball. That fell into a pot of boiling milk because if it was cold milk, it wouldn't impart taste. You have a non Jew taste, a pot of, of hot milk. If the guy says that it has a meaty taste to it, sir, all the milk is forbidden. If not with terrace, then the, then the pot of milk is permitted. However, in either scenario, that piece of meat that fell in the meatball is usher, because since it was a either a piece of hot or, or or even cold meat that fell into hot milk, it will certainly absorb the taste from the milk enough to make it forbidden. Bamed, when is this true? That you can rely on the concept of taste by having a non-Jew taste to determine if it's a, if the milk in the pot is still for mutter or becomes forbidden. That you took out this meatball that fell into the boiling milk. Before the meatball will spit out, will expel the milk that it absorbed the milk that it absorbed in the pot back into the pot. In other words, the meatball falls into the boiling milk. It absorbs the boiling milk and then spits it out back into the into the into the milk. So it's it's like a sponge sort of. That's and you. So now you did not uh, allow that to happen. You immediately scooped it out before that uh, that transpired. However many seconds that takes. If however you let the meatball sit in there for some time for a few seconds and so now the meatball has absorbed milk and it spit that same milk back out into the into the contents of the of the pot now we have to evaluate the contents of the pot the milk that is whether it's not whether or not it's it's 60 times the meatball you can no longer use the trick of having someone taste it you have to use the math to see if the ratio of the milk to the meatball is 60 to 1 if it is 60 to 1 or 61 to 1 or more, it's permitted. If it's less than that, it's forbidden. Because the milk that gets absorbed in the meatball becomes forbidden by being mixed with milk and meat inside the meatball. Vanessa becomes forbidden. Then it gets spit, gets spit out and mixed into the rest of the milk. So therefore, all of the milk that gets spit out... Um, 
that amount of milk does is forbidden milk now. It's as if it, you have to view it as if it's from a pig, for example. It gets mixed in the other milk, and now it's in, it's indistinguishable because uh, by taste because it all tastes like milk, except that it has a little bit of meaty, a meaty taste to it. But the difference, the contrast between the kosher milk that's in the pot and the non-kosher milk that was absorbed in the meatball and expelled outside of the meatball into the rest of the milk is too difficult to distinguish by taste, and therefore you have to use the 60 to 1 uh, ratio trick to determine if it's mut or if it's asr. Tess. No, really, basically viewing it as if you have uh, kosher milk and non-kosher milk that gets mixed together, obviously you can't taste to determine uh, which is, uh, how, how much non-kosher milk is in the pot. You have to use just a 60 to 1 ratio. Tess. Let's say you have a pot of meatballs cooking in a sauce, and the pot is halfway full with sauce, but piled up to the close to the top of the pot is the meatballs. So the top layer of meatballs is this this layer of meatballs that is halfway in the sauce, halfway out of the sauce. On top of that is another layer of meatballs that's completely outside the sauce, just resting on the lower level, the lower layer of meatballs. Okay, so a piece of milk falls into that pot onto one of these the top layer of meatballs. So if, and you know the piece of meat upon which the drop of milk fell, you taste that piece of meat upon which there was a milk spill. If it is no taste of milk in that piece of meat, everything is permitted. That piece of meat is permitted and the rest of the pot is permitted as well. If, however, that piece of meat does have a milk taste to it because you tasted it and the guy said that it has that taste or it was such a significant spill that it's absolutely clear without question that it has the taste of milk in that meatball despite the fact that theoretically you could squeeze it out and have no longer milk taste in it since now at the moment it for a moment it did have a milky taste to it, that piece becomes forbidden, it remains forbidden, even if you squeeze out the, the technical taste of the milk, that meatball, now as far as we're concerned, might as well be meatball from a pig, and it's forbidden. And therefore, it's it, that piece of meatball is forbidden. Now the question becomes, what about the rest of the pot? Now, since that piece of meat is sitting on top of other pieces of meat, and they're all wet, and even though it's not you know submerged in the gravy, it is transferring taste, the question is, what does is the rest of the pot uh, uh, forbidden or permitted? So we have to evaluate the entire contents of the stew against this one meatball. If all the contents of the pot besides this one meatball, the pieces of meat, the vegetables, the liquid, the gravy, and the, and the spices, if it's large enough that this one meatball which we're now viewing as, uh, uh, as far as we're concerned, is meatball from pig meat, is one sixtieth or less. So that one piece is forbidden. The rest of it is permitted. The rest of it is, of the stew is permitted because it's sixty times a forbidden, forbidden piece. <clears throat> but if not, however, then uh, if the, if that one meatball is larger than one sixtieth, then it is forbidden because, as we'll see, you stirred that. Meatball uh, into the contents of the pot. As I'm explaining, when is this the case that um, that you first evaluate the drop of milk milk spill against that one piece of meat upon which it fell, and then you have to then determine whether or not you may evaluate have to requ- be required to evaluate the volume of that one meatball against the contents of the pot. At the moment, the milk spilled on that one piece of meat. You were not stirring the pot. If you did, however, stir it eventually. So a drop of milk spilled on that one piece of meat. You identified that piece of meat. You have, now you created a scenario where you're required to determine the this, this story with that one piece of meat. And instead of doing so, uh, or you, you did so, you had a great taste, and the great told you it has milk taste. And then... You put it back in the pot and stir it in the pot. El You did eventually stir it together. Alternatively, the milk spill on that one piece of meat was uh, a, re- a significant amount. That's absolutely clear without question that there is taste of milk in that piece of meat. And then again, it was stirred back into the pot. So now that one piece of meat became dis- determined as forbidden. As far as we're concerned, it's pig meat. 
then you stir it into the content of the pot, and we have to now uh, answer the question, is there 60 times in the contents of the stew against that one piece of meat? Now, the issue about distinguishing in that piece of meat and determining which one it was, that's another question. But the rest of the stew, can we uh, permit it, at least certainly the gravy, permit the gravy, requires the question, would require us to determine if there is 60 times in the entire contents against that one piece of, that one meatball. But like Kisa, for that matter, nor, nor, nor did you immediately cover the pot, because if as soon as the milk spilled in that one piece of meat, you immediately covered the pot, that would be the equivalent of stirring the pot. Um, okay. If, however, we'll translate these words as, as explained by the Mepharshim, that if you were stirring the pot at the time of the milk spill, so while you're stirring the pot, the milk spill spilled in that one piece of meat, and therefore, since it happened while you're stirring it, immediately it got mixed with diluted with the entire pot at once. And so there was never a question at one moment as to whether the taste impacted the one piece of meat more than the rest of the pot. It fell into the entire contents of the pot evenly, if you will. Again, the Lushan here is a little bit, um, you know, interesting, but the Rama means that as soon as that piece of, uh, that drop of spill of milk fell on that one piece of meat, immediately the pot was covered. And we're talking about a case it was not done intentionally, it just happened to be that way, uh, that covered it at that second. So it's not a problem of Isma, So anyways, at that moment, you, you uh, as soon as it happened, it was, it was stirred and diluted to the entire pot, or the pot's covered, which is the equivalent of diluting it to the entire pot. So then back to the reservation time, the question is, is the entire pot 60 times more than that one drop of milk, or is it not? If it's not, it's forbidden. But if it is, it is permitted, including that one piece of meat, um, which we may, may or may not be able to identify at the moment, which is another question. In any event, uh, uh, it's all permitted because there is 60 times an entire contest of the pot against that one piece of meat. The chain similarly. So again, the point over here is, is that is that uh, is that if you stirred it all, if it was if it was all stirred at the moment when the milk fell in, you don't isolate that one piece of meat and determine its status, and then judge that one piece of meat against the pot or not. You just you, you basically look at it as if it's a one pot of liquid of just soup broth, and into it fell a drop of milk, and you have to see if there is. 60 ounces of meat, of chicken soup against that one ounce of milk. Okay. If milk fell into soup, or milk fell into all the pieces. And we, meaning it fell into all the pieces in the way that we don't know into which piece it fell. So now, um, if it fell into a situation where it's all liquid, so it all gets diluted automatically, or it fell into a piece of a, a one specific piece, we have no idea which one it was. So the suffolk, the doubt, was in our minds created at a time where the meat, the the piece that the milk fell is indistinguishable. So here, here you can actually go and mix the pot to dilute the taste among the entire contents of the pot, and. Uh, it's not a problem of being nullifying an iser lechatchila, which is usually not allowed, because you have no idea which piece of meat uh, upon which piece of meat the milk fell. In the previous scenario, you identified the piece of meat, and then you went and mixed it in halacha test in the beginning of halacha yud, and now the pro- therefore that piece was identified, determined to, to be to be forbidden, perhaps in the situation where it was forbidden, and then you mixed it up. Now the problem is you evaluate that piece of meat against the contents of the pot. Um, but, however, if it, you were mixing it anyway, so as soon as it fell, you saw the piece of meat that, 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 that milk fell on, but before you had a chance to do anything, your hand just habitually mixed everything together. Or if you don't know which piece of meat it fell on, which in which case Allah allows you to go and mix everything, to, everything together. So then, again, in that case, you can mix the whole entire pot, and uh, then uh, you devalu- evaluate the ratio of the entire pot's contents against that one drop of milk. And if, well, in this case, you don't evaluate, you can actually have a great taste. So if, if you can use the situation, the, the trick of having the great taste. So if the whole entire pot has the taste of the milk, the pot is usser. Now you might ask, well, if it's found one piece of meat, you don't know which one it is, but mixing it together... Uh, you know, would dilute it. Won't there be a situation of somewhat of the some of the taste of the milk is masked by 
the fact that milk has absorbed meat taste. That may be the case, but since you didn't know which piece it was, you're not considered like you created the problem. So therefore, you're allowed to go and mix the, mix the, mix the pot together. As long as you cannot discern to, to the palate any milk taste, the Allah allows you to treat it as bottle. All right, so you're allowed to go stir it so that the isha won't take effect, basically. Um, good. So again, as long as you can't taste any milk in the pot, the pot is mutter. Now, in general, the Ramam now says a klal. What do you do if there's no glam around to taste the pot of meat? In the situation with Allah is, the Ramam tells us, you use a goy to taste the, to taste the dish and see if the chicken soup has milk taste or if the pot of milk has meat taste. If there's no glam around to rely on to taste it, then use the math of the, the, the trick of shishim, the ratio of 1 to 60. That's true whether it's milk that fell into meat or the, ver- or the reverse. If the ratio is 60 to 1, it's mutter. Or, of course, if it's a bigger ratio, it's mutter as well. If it's a ratio of less than 60 to 1, then it's also then it's forbidden. Needless to say, if it's a ratio of 60 to 1, and therefore we say it's mutter, and you start eating the chalant, and you say, hey, this chalant or this chicken soup has a milky taste to it, obviously you cannot continue to eat it. A pot that's... Ounce for ounce. An ounce of milk fell into a pot stew. If it's 60 ounces of stew... Well, there's, there's way more nuances because sometimes, sometimes you can use the walls of the pot. Right. That gets Lebanon. If you have a pot, would you cook meat in? We call it a flesh a pot. Don't cook milk in that pot. I had to clean pot. But since the walls give taste, and that, that makes, if, it's, if you cooked meat in that pot less than 24 hours ago, the milk is also not a to most people. I mean, if it's less than 24 hours, it's been our bottom. The ambition, if you did, but it's the time again, you need to have the cooked by accident milk in a flesh pot. For the, have the goy taste the milk, and he'll tell you if it tastes like milk or not, the like meat or not. You'd base hakachal the udder of an animal, the udder of a cow. Yeah, you shechted a cow, the, the part of the animal which has milk. Um, the milk in it, where oh, the baby nurse is yeah, from, yeah. right? So, can you cook that? Can you cook that and eat it? The Amos is awesome to be safe from its awesome darabonah because it tastes very much like milk and meat, and you might come to like it too much, and you might uh, right. Why is it only awesome that I Isn't that where milk comes from? Because any milk that comes, even mamish liquid milk, that comes from an animal that you shechted, that's not awesome that It's only milk that you milked from the cow. Once you shech the cow and milk's inside the, the udder, that's not awesome that Therefore, if you cut the udder open and you squeeze out the milk, you can roast it and you can eat it. You can't cook it because it's after roasting that really draws out the liquid. But to roast the udder after you cut it open and squeezed out as much as you can, you could do so. If you cut the udder the udder open, excuse me, um, and you cut it like a plus sign, right? And you squeeze it against the hard surface, the wall in this case. And there's, there's, no, there's no moisture of milk left in it. You could even cook it. And even cook it with other meat. Right? Uh, cook it by itself is not a chiddush, but you can even cook it with other meat. So if you're going to roast it, smash, you don't have to squeeze it out, mamish, like a, like, you know, like a dry bone. But uh, just, just reasonably um, pour the milk out. When it comes to... When it comes to that's if you're going to roast it, excuse me. If you're going to roast it, you don't have to mamish squeeze it out. You just pour the milk out and squeeze it, you know, just reasonably, and that's it. To cook it, you have to mamish, wring it out like a, like a shmata. Okay. Now, I order that you did not cut it open this way. Just, whether it's from a baby that never ended up nursing a baby, right? They never gave birth, and never gave milk to a baby. It's a young cow itself. It's a young, it's a young cow. Or it's an adult cow. Also, you're not allowed to cook that. That's the Ishmael Rabbanon, even though it's a young cow. If you transgress and cook the udder. So if you just cook the udder by itself, you can eat it, even though you were the Isser of cooking it this way. Chazal didn't knas you, you can eat it. But even if you cook the khal, the udder, with other milk, so then we're more machmir because the khal itself is the natural location of this type of milk, right? Therefore, if you cook it by itself, it's mortar. But you cook the khal with other meat, then that meat, we look at it as if it has milk with it. You have to evaluate it by 60. You can't use the taste method because obviously it'll taste like it has some kind of taste. You don't know if that, but a lot of the taste that's milk is is mutter milk, right? Because it's chal milk. So it's not a problem. 
So therefore, you can't use the. the, the, the can't, if the guy says, "I taste milk in this meat," no kidding, it's thirty percent the chal. <laughs> so what do you expect to taste like milk? Therefore, use the shisha ratio. The chal contributes to that ratio, but if you have sixty times from the meat to connect the milk that was left left in the chal, you didn't squeeze out, then it is mutter. Halachi Gimel explains. Yeah? Is, is, is that part of the and baby milk, milk's in the mother, the pink part that hangs down where the baby nurses from, uh, that's the kha, the udder. But, but that's the whole mucker from the milk from the. Right, the but the, the, her only, us, it only, only makes possible khal of usr, milk that was milked from the cow. From there. That milk that's left in is not usr, not tater. In other words, that's left in there when you shecht it. So yeah. why, should the, why, should, why should the khal be a problem and why does it have to be b'shishim even when the khal is cooked with, the, with other basr? B'cham asr the khal because it resembles basr b'chalov. Right. Not really. Right. Kate, for example, you'd give me if the entire amount, including, including the khal, was 60 times the khal. Oh, I said 60 times the milk that, 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 that's remained that you didn't squeeze out. I was wrong about that. You have to have, yeah, so I said 30% khal before. That's not a good example. You have to have shishim. You know, the khal has to be only 160th of the total and no more. A khal asr. If it's more than that, the khal is asr. But everything else is mutter. The khal doesn't asr everything else. The khal itself is asr. If the khal and everything else was less, so the kachal was more than a ratio of 1 to 59 of the total. So then kachal also, the kachal is also. Again, either way, if whatever, let's say that, that cholent over here, that, that's, that's, that's partially kachal, piece of it falls into a different cholent. So then, it makes it oser, because that other meat we're machmer with, because that's already not kachal, it's, it's a mixture that's already very questionable to be treated like a, like it's a problem. Then all, again, we use the same thing. We evaluate it whether or not it's, it's, um, it's, uh, excuse me, in either scenario, if the khal fell into a second mixture, it makes the second mixture usher as well. We do the same process. We have to make sure the khal is no more than 160th of the total. Uh, so, yeah. Because the khal itself becomes a piece that's forbidden. Therefore, as, as many times it falls into another mixture, you don't say, well, the khal already got squeezed out. But all these cooking processes, you know, the same khal you cooked in the first cholent, you put that, t- took the khal and put it in the second cholent, now it got squeezed out. That's not the case. You treat it as the same problem. You look at it as it's cooked. How the what's the what's the volume of the kham? Now it's already you know right? So it's a little bit smaller. So you evaluate it as it is. You don't look at it when it fell in. Now when it gets cooked, it gets it gets uh, the khal gets um, diminished. That's how you evaluate it now. So Shabbos morning, the chalons will let the khal is much more smaller. You can be more makel and say that okay, it's only one sixtieth. Normally, if a piece of chazer falls in the chalent, you have to have a ratio of 60 to 1. The chalent 60 compared to the one ounce of chazer. Over here, 59 to 1 is sufficient. So the chal is 160 to the total. Okay, you doubt. If you're going to roast the chal on a spit, you don't cook, you don't roast it together with a regular piece of steak on the same spit if the chal is on top and the meat and the roast and the steak is on the bottom because the juice from the chal drips onto that meat and it resembles basa b'chalof. If you did so, I call mutter to mutter because again, the chal ma'atari is mutter. Tes vav. Koyvesh nesh basa b'chalof shaba. You have shech the cow and you cook the whole stomach with the milk that this baby cow who you Shechted, drank. Muteris is mutter. Why? There's milk in the stomach. She ain't a chalav. It's not chalav. It's like, it's like um, um, feces. It's changed. Once, once the baby cow drinks the milk and it gets mixed with digestive juices, that milk is considered uh, feces, you know, garbage. And therefore, it's mutter. Some say that Ram is talking about cheese dafka. He already started to curdle in the stomach, but the mash from the Ram is lashing that's talking about even liquid milk. So give the baby cow to drink, fill its stomach with milk, then reshecht it right away, Ooh, cook yeah. the stomach with milk, ah, yeah. and have kishki, you have milk, you have a kishka with milk, and then, okay, good. You're not allowed to make cheese. How do they make cheese back then? You take a piece of the animal's stomach, you put it in a barrel of milk, that becomes cheese. You're not allowed to. Do that 
with a, even a kosher animal that was shechted. We learned already before, you can't use a non-kosher animal. You now even use a kosher animal. Why not? If you did, taste the cheese. If the guy says, over here could be, you could taste it, I don't know. Okay, okay so have a guy taste the cheese. If the cheese tastes like meat, it's awesome. It's mutter. We learned the now how to use the stomach of a of of a, of a, of a nevela or behematemeya, and the As far as the milk is concerned, meat is an iser, so it should be the same iser, right? Rambam says no. What is the thing which is the davar ha'maimid? The piece of stomach. That piece of stomach might be one thousandth of the barrel of milk, but it's something which makes the whole cheese into cheese, oh, sure. and therefore you can't ignore its presence. You can't say it's bottle bashishim, but that thing is mutter. It's a kosher animal. Shekem mm-hmm. It's an animal you shechted. Glad kosher. So the only issue here is the fact that the two, the, 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 each one's fine by itself. Kosher milk, kosher animal intestine. The problem is the shidduch, right? That's that's the problem. tam, and for that to be a problem, it has to be enough to give taste. And doesn't give taste, and therefore you could say that you can ignore its presence. Right. If, however, the piece of stomach was from a dead cow, from a trave cow, or from a pig, since independently, not inside the mixture with milk, by itself essentially it's usher. Exactly, now the cheese becomes usher because of nevela or that's why the Chum forbade cheese of a goy, because they often use a piece of a stomach of a non-kosher animal. Yudzayin. So that's the important difference between a piece of a stomach of a dead cow versus a shechted cow. Yudzayin. Meat by itself is fine, right, usually. Milk by itself is fine. However, it's the mixture through cooking. Yes, that's when they become awesome. When they come cooked together, or one fell into the other, when they're both hot, or even if the cold one fell into the hot one, that's considered when they cook together. If one falls into the other, not if only both cold, one is hot, it fell into the cold one. And we're talking about a case, let's say it's a large amount of cold, a, 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 a hot hot dog. Falls into a cold barrel of milk. Okay, so that's not considered In that case, what you do is you peel off this, the, the layer of the hot dog that fell into the milk. You could eat how much of a layer. So the pastor says, as much as you peel off, when it comes, to, it depends on the piece of meat and how thick it is, how much it absorbs the milk. So basically, it means um, uh, enough that it stays one piece, doesn't fall into little pieces. Why not one sixty? Because one in the 60 is when you have a mixture, you have a whole ratio that gets diluted everything together. Here, it's a very concentrated location where the milk got mixed with the meat at the, at the, at the edge on the, on the shell of the hot dog, right, on the piece of meat. If a cold hot dog falls into cold milk, then just rinse off the piece and eat it, and it's fine. Therefore, because even if it touches, it's not a problem, you may mix, may hold, excuse me, you may store Cheese and meat into one shmata, one kerchief. Don't make sure they don't touch. Because if they do touch, rinse them off and eat them. So it's not a big problem. Therefore, you're allowed to hold them in one pouch. Right. Trying to make sure they don't touch. You wrap the shmata in a way they're not touching each other. Yudchas. Yeah. Something which is so salty that's inedible. Like it was salted for. Not the kasha, but let's say just for, you know, for, for storage, preservative, thank you. Halachi is considered like hot. If you eat it as it is, for example, kutach, which is a Babylonian dish that's ed- it's very salty, but is edible, then that's not considered like it's hot. Okay, you test. So it's, it's a very salty dish, yeah. If you have a shechted bird that fell into milk, which is the salty dish which has milk in it, so if it's raw, raw chicken, it's mutter. If it was roasted chicken, even if it's cold, at that point, because it's now softer, when you roast it, it gets a little softer, might absorb some milk. And therefore you have to, you have to... Uh, 
and the Chari, applies to meat as well, you have to sort of peel the surface. If it was a kind of meat where there was these, these cracks in it, or it was spiced, which makes it again more susceptible to absorb, and the Chari was still talking about a case where it was roasted, and that falls into milk. Which is a milk dish, that's salty. Now the Chari, this would apply as well to, to, to beef, Ramah takes chicken as an example to tell you that even chicken, which is in Darabon, it's also, also, okay, tough. You're not allowed to have chicken and milk on the same table that you're having dinner, right? I'm having chicken, you're having milk, you have the same table. We're going to start sharing. Even though cooking together is a it's a safeguard that's across the board. Needless to say, it applies to beef. Now, two people who are guests in a hotel, who don't really know each other, you're eating your beef, I'm eating my cheese, we're not going to start sharing because we don't really know each other. You're not allowed to make dough or bread with milk. If you do, you may not eat that milk, that bread, because you might come to Shemayachal, you might come to eat it with meat. You're now to smear the surface of an, of an oven, a stove with fat of an animal, because you might come to cook bread in that oven. And if you do, if you do smear it, the bread is usher across the board, because we don't want you to come to eat it with milk. Until you fire up the oven and clash it, where are you going to eat that milk with cheese? No. That bread with milk. Even change the way the bread looks, so it kind of shape makes it a little bit peculiar. So someone's going to realize a little different condition. She's not going to come to eat milk and meat with it. So obviously, if you're making pizza dough and you're going to put cheese on the pizza dough, that pizza dough could have milk on it because everyone sees it's made to milk. But even, even if it's like a weird shape, it's like a strange shape that makes someone ask, "Hey, is this regular milk? Regular dough?" That's enough to make a hacker that people should know that you're not going to eat it with you know, milk, milk or meat, depending on what it is. You can make bread with milk. No. Cook a milk loaf of bread? No, absolutely. And if you do, you now eat it. Because of the shash? Because of eat it with meat. With salami. If you bake bread in the oven together with meat, the dog should tell you a buster or fish that was roasted with meat in the same oven. So it's power together with oven. You may not eat that bread or fish with milk. You have a a plate that was hot meat on it, or you cooked a fish on that plate. That, um, excuse me, a plate, no, not, same case. You have a plate that you eat, that you ate, you put hot meat on that plate, and then you cooked fish on that plate. So that fish was cooked on a tray that had hot meat on it. Since it's nice and time, by nice and time, from the meat to the plate, the plate to the fish, you may eat that fish with milk, because since the taste transferred two times, and it completed the second transfer in a state of heter, only afterwards they get milk mixed with milk, that remains mutter. Nice and time, but it's not the Not <laughs> you have a, a knife and you cut uh, roasted meat. Let's say it's pasta. Pshat and Ramam is hot. Yeah, hot flesh, a hot piece of meat. The cause of a chatech but and then you went and cut a radish with or onions and sharp with that same knife. Okay, these sharp items. you may not eat that radish or onion with milchiks because the taste in the knife. That, that absorbed from the hot meat is spit into the onion and that onion as a sharpness renders that taste as if it was mamish cooked with meat. Uh, and this is true even if the knife was cooked with, with, with the, the night fresh. This is true even the knife was cut hot meat more than 24 hours ago. If you cook uh, hot meat with a knife. You cook kind of like a zucchini, zucchini or a melon which is not sharp. You're allowed to cut away from the edge of the watermelon or the zucchini because it's not sharp and just cut away the edges scrape away the edges so in case there's any residue and eat the rest with, with, with and you can eat that melon with milk hey that even that's my shtick. You're not allowed to put a earthenware jug of salt next to an earthen not next to an, next to a kutach or any type of dish that has milchik. The salt in the earthenware jug will cause it to observe milchik a taste from the um, the um, the kutach. 
it's a milk dish. Then you're going to take that salt in this jug, the salt shaker that absorbed from the milk, and put it in meat. When it comes to a jug of vinegar that also is absorbent, but not as absorbent, that's okay. The vinegar will not absorb as strongly from the uh, the milk. Kudach, yeah. Chavav. Is there a minion? A person who ate cheese and drank milk, they can eat meat afterwards immediately. However, wash his hands and clean his mouth out, between eating cheese and eating the meat which follows it. <coughs> Excuse me. With what must a person clean his mouth out? Pass by with bread or with pears or with produce, uh, with fruit. Shalayisim, which he chews a building and swallows, a pulpit or spits out. So that's how he cleans his mouth out. There's no requirement to wait any time frame. The only requirement is to clean your mouth out. Halachically speaking, and with everything a person may clean out his mouth. We said bread and fruit. That's just an example. But we don't exclude dates. Flour and vegetables, or the like, these type of things do not really clean the mouth out effectively. But when it's true that it's required to clean your mouth out between eating cheese and eating meat, but if after eating cheese you're going to eat meat of a domesticated animal like a cow or, or meat from an animal like a deer, uh, non domesticated kosher animal. However, a person chooses to eat uh, fowl after eating cheese or drinking milk, he does not have to clean out his mouth for learning to sit and wash his hands because the whole prohibition of uh, eating milk with, with uh, chicken, for example, is only midrabonon, and therefore there's no extra requirement over here to clean your mouth out. Needless to say, there's no isidaraisa because isidaraisa is only if you cook them. Eating them together, if they're not cooked, is not isidaraisa, but the chachamim required us to rinse our mouth out between, so not to, get, not to get comfortable with the taste of meat and milk in the mouth at the same time, but they did not enforce this decree when it comes to uh, chicken, for example, or fowl. Now, you might ask, what about chaya, uh, a deer, for example? Isn't that also midrabanon? Why do you have to rinse your mouth out after eating cheese if you're going to have deer meat afterwards? And the question is a good question. There are various answers to that question. The simple answer is that, uh, is that deer meat is more similar to cow meat than chicken is. A person who ate meat first and then afterwards wants to eat meat, wants to eat dairy, if whether it's meat of a behemoth. Or meat of a chicken, he shouldn't eat milk, milk afterwards. Till he waits the amount of time that one normally waits between the morning meal to the evening meal, which is approximately six hours. That's, the reason for that is because we want to give six hours for the meat between the teeth to uh, dislodge. That's not going to be removed by just cleaning your mouth out because meat is more. Uh, the fattiness of it, <clears throat> the taste of the fattiness of it, or, or, or more exact over here, the uh, the uh, density of the meat between the teeth is more tough, if you will, than cheese, and therefore uh, rinsing the mouth is not sufficient. Six hours of waiting time is required.